is going to come and share the word. Well, if you're cold, you can do five burpees very quickly. That'll warm you up. So, Steve, Sam, anyone in your living room that's cold, five burpees will do the trick. Come, love. Five burpees. Well, we're going to continue to pray for South Africa in this time. We, this week, have kept our eye on the news, and we are one eye on the pandemic and seeing what's happening with our numbers, and I know our president will address the nation tonight, and the other eye has been on our unrest in our, in our nation over this period, and I'm going to call you to continue to be persistent in your prayers. Reading one news article, it said that the ANC had identified 12 people who were accused of instigating the riots in KZN and, and Gauteng, and we saw a movement. It's quite interesting that they said 12 people started this movement, and we saw this movement affect thousands and thousands of people, different suburbs and areas and regions in this country. We even saw how it affected the world and people all around the world. So when we look at this picture of our South African flag, there's still dark clouds in the background. And, and last week I shared a little bit about the, the, the trouble that we have to really trust for God to bring his kingdom and change some of the real issues in our nation. It didn't take much, I think, for this group of 12 people to start this insurgence, to start this chaos. The harvest was ready, the fruit was there to get this movement going. And Jesus, when he, he walked around in Matthew, sorry Pete, can you just change the clicker for me? Jesus in Matthew 9 verse 35 said this, and Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. There he walks around the cities and he goes from area to area and, he, and it says that he is moved with compassion. When we talk about passion, we often think, it, think it's to do with things that we really get excited about. But this word compassion, which means co-passion or shared passion, passion actually talks about to suffer with. Jesus is moved with compassion as he sees the harvest, as he sees the state of the people. He's moved with a deep love for the people that he sees. And he then turns to his disciples and he says, the things I've been doing, proclaiming this gospel, this good news, I want you to do the same thing because look at the harvest. I want to say the same thing about our nation. I want us to look at the state of our nation. I want us to look at the consequences of years and years of decisions that have been made in this country. I want us to look at the consequences of this pandemic, and I want to ask the question, can we see 12 people, well, we saw 12 people start this 
movement a couple of weeks ago. Jesus took 12 people along with his wider group of 100 disciples and he started a movement that's still going today. Can we today see a movement of God's kingdom? Can I call for 12 people to rise up and be a part of what God is wanting to do in this nation at this time? A few, I think it was about a month ago, I, I spoke about what it means to be a follower of Christ, what it means to be an apprentice of Jesus or a disciple. Another word for disciple is the word apprentice. And we see the word disciple used 268 times in the New Testament. And it's a word that is used to describe who you are. It is your identity as a follower of Christ. It is my identity today. And only on two occasions does is this word used, a verb is used before it as, as making disciples or, yeah, it is, it is the making of disciples, making apprentices of Jesus. And a month ago, and it's been a month because we then had our second round of COVID and then the Lord put, our, put uh, on our hearts to talk about prayer and we really saw a time where we needed to pray. So I'm going back to something we spoke about in a series called Words to Live By. But I said this, as a disciple of Jesus, or Jesus invites you to be an apprentice of him, to be with him, to become like him, and then to do what he did. And I kind of stopped at point number three about the, the goal of an, of an apprentice is to become like your teacher to become like Jesus. And today I wanna to emphasize a little bit more about what he says to do what he did. So my boys are sitting here in the auditorium and I wonder, Josh, do you know what, do you know that game called Simon Says? He's, he's half nodding. Because it's, because it's not an app, I'm not too sure if the younger generation actually know the game called Simon Says. But the whole point of it is where, if you say Simon Says, do burpees, you go and do burpees. If he says, do burpees, I mean, do star jumps. And because you didn't say Simon says, you don't do star jumps, but you do the burpee part. I want us to get to a place where we go back to what Jesus says to us as believers and ask the question, Jesus, if you say it, is it something that you're calling me to be obedient and do? So when we look at the life of Jesus in Mark 1 verse 14 to 15, it says, he went around from area to area proclaiming the gospel and saying, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand, and he calls them to believe in the gospel. And Mark 16 verse 15, right at the end of that gospel, Jesus says to his disciples, he says, go into the world and proclaim the gospel to all creation or what is this gospel that we are to proclaim what is this good news that we are to share if I were to ask a number of you what is the gospel what is the good news I trust that we would have a similar sort of answer but what was this gospel that Jesus was sharing and what is this gospel that he's calling us as believers to share with those around us especially in our nation in this time well I'm here today because someone was courageous enough to preach the gospel to me. And I want to honor my parents for the role that they played in sharing this good news with me. But I, I saw them yesterday and I asked them this question. Tell me, who shared the gospel with you, Dad? Was it someone that invited you to a meeting? Did someone kind of witness to you what happened? And it was a work colleague, his name was Ben DeToy, that invited him to a Danny Bosman meeting. 
And there he would talk about his encounter with God at this meeting. He went, then went to another meeting and there was a radical conversion, a change in his life. My mom will talk about the influence that her mother played. She will talk about a friend that she saw something was different in her life and she went off to a Billy Graham crusade and that's where she gave her life to the Lord. My question to some of you today is, where did you encounter the gospel? Where did you hear the good news? Was it a once-off meeting with someone that shared the, the gospel and the good news with you? Or was it someone that dropped a seed, someone that watered that seed, and then maybe someone harvested that seed? Maybe it was at a youth meeting, maybe it was at a, an event, maybe a crusade. I'm interested in the comments below. Tell me, was it a once-off event or was it a period of a time where you were able to hear the good news and that you became a disciple or a follower of Jesus. So, so when, we, when we talk about the series about going back to some of those important things that Jesus shared with us during this series on words to live by, we go to the greats and, and we started off by, Gavin started off by sharing about loving your neighbor and Milan then spoke about doing to others, treating others the way you want to be treated and then I spoke about loving the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, soul and strength. That was a summary of the great, what, how would you summarize, what is the greatest of the commandments? And the other great that we find in the scripture is this thing called the Great Commission. And many churches would have this picture as a mission statement, a summary of what they believe in. So we believe in loving God, we believe in loving people, and we believe in making disciples. Now making disciples has to be built on the foundation of loving God and loving others. The thing that I'm going to share with you today is it's going to be tough to swallow and chew on this word today, if you do not have loving God and loving others down. Who knows, it's very hard to talk about rugby if you're not passionate about rugby. If I say, Steve, go and proclaim the, the good news of the Springboks, and I want you to be passionate about sharing uh, the news of rugby. If you're not in love with rugby, if you, don't, if you do not have a passion about rugby, it's very hard to then go and proclaim and do some of those things. So my question to you, my challenge to you today is how is your love for God? How is your love for people doing? And then as we look into scripture today and we look at what God is saying through his word today, I want you not just to take what I'm saying, but I want you to look at what Jesus is saying. And I want you to ask the question, Jesus, how does this apply to me? Here is my illustration, because my son is in the room and I'm going to give you an illustration of this thing about obedience, doing what Jesus calls us to do. So we have a problem with my keep, getting my boys to keep their bedroom tidy. This is an ongoing thing. For whatever reason, the pajamas come off and the pajamas stay on the floor. It doesn't ever end up back in the bed. And this is a, please make your bed, pick up your clothes, pick up the stuff on the floor. So here's my illustration. One day I go and I say to Josh, go and tidy your bedroom. And he comes back down the passage and he says, Dad, I memorized what you said. Go and tidy the bedroom. Or he does it in a bit of a sarcastic, go and tidy the bedroom. And I said, great, thank you, Josh. Thank you for listening. Thank you for hearing what I said. But have you tidied the bedroom? No, Dad, I memorized what you said. Please go and tidy the bedroom. And he walks off again. 
Then he comes back and he's got a bit of a, like a, he's a little bit, I don't know, what's the word? But he says, he then tells me, Dad, I memorized, go and tidy your bedroom in Greek. And he quotes it in Greek and he's looking all smug and like he's extra smart. Well, my question is, boy, have you tidied your bedroom? And he's, no, but he can quote it in Greek. Then I hear the buzzer go, and the doorbell goes, and two of his friends, Dante and someone else, arrive at the door, and I ask them, what are you doing here? Mr. Dennison, we're here to study and learn and, and talk about what it means to tidy the bedroom. Thank you, boys, for coming and having this group study on what it means to tidy a bedroom. But my command was to tidy the bedroom. Dallas, Dallas Willard says this, we have generated a body of people who consume Christian services and think that that is Christian faith. Consumption of Christian services replaces obedience to Christ. And spirituality is one more thing to consume. I feel that there is a shakeup in the body of Christ. I feel that God is bringing us back to some of the basics when we're going through this reset series and I'm gonna keep going back to it. But I believe that there is a call to go back to obedience, to look at what Jesus has said to us and to ask ourselves the question, are we living this? Are we doing this? Do we see it in reality? Or are we just talking about it? Are we thinking it? Are we just... So I want us to look at this passage, Joshi. I want us to look at this passage and I want us to spot the great omissions in the Great Commission. And if you know where the Great Commission is, you'll find it at the end of Matthew 28. And some context to this little passage, Jesus says to the disciples to go and meet on, the, on a mountain in Galilee. And after he rose from the dead, for about 40 days, Jesus appears on and off to his disciples. And what he's doing is starting to wean them off his physical presence. And when, when, someone is, when someone shares their last words, before they leave or before they die, sometimes they are the most important words. And you need to hear what that person is saying. So these are his last words we find in Matthew 28, verse 16. And it says this, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them, and when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And I'm going to get to this doubting in the next couple of weeks. Then it says this, And Jesus said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of of the age. I want you to, in the comments below, if you see the omissions of the Great Commission in the church today and in your personal life, I want you to call them out. But when we look at this Great Commission, what does Jesus say in this passage that applies to us today? And there are some questions we need to ask. Was this Great Commission just for those 11 or 12 disciples or those early disciples or for those apostles or is the great commission for me is it a verse that applies to me today 
Or was it just something for them and them? Is it for all of us? Traditionally, when we talk about the word disciple, we see it as like mentoring, or we see it as leadership development. Maybe when we read this passage, it stirs up the, the idea of um, evangelizing or evangelism. And maybe that in itself is a bit of a trigger for you. Maybe the word evangelism is uncomfortable for you to think about. Maybe you've had negative experiences. Maybe you've had the, if you were to die tonight, where would you go? I remember in, in the UK going and watching a theater and we were queuing up to go in there and there was someone standing on a box telling me that I'm going to burn in hell's flames because I'm going to watch this, this um, theater, this production. And I don't know what these emotions, what emotions are stirred up when we start talking about the Great Commission and making disciples and going into all the world, but I want us to start talking about this. What does it mean? What does it mean to you? What are some of your fears when we read a passage like this? And my, my desire is for us to talk about what it means to help someone take their next step towards Jesus. When we spoke about this, we had this picture of different ones of us on different parts of the journey of becoming like Jesus. And there are many people that are on a journey of questioning what does it mean to believe in God? What does it mean to follow him? What does it mean to be an apprentice or a disciple of Jesus? And in the next few weeks, I'm going to give a very simple challenge, and it's got to do with conversations because conversations start movements and movements are something that God is doing that we're seeing all across the world at the time or at the moment. So let's go back to Matthew 28 and I want us to highlight some of the, the key points in this thing called the Great Commission. He starts off by saying this, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now, when he says this, Matthew refers to the story that we find in Daniel 7 of the Son of Man. Actually, I believe that right now Jesus is fulfilling what Daniel saw of the Son of Man in Daniel chapter 7. So it starts off, and, and you can read the whole passage, but he says that he stripped the beasts of all their authority, and then it says this, and I saw, from verse 13, I saw in the night vision, and behold, with the clouds of heaven there came one like a son of man, and he came to the ancient of days and presented before him. And to him, to Jesus, was given dominion and glory and a kingdom, and all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed. His disciples, the disciples of Jesus, witnessed the authority of Jesus Christ. He would rebuke the wind and the rain and the storms. He had dominion, he had authority over the demons and the principalities. He could raise the dead. The disciples in their own eyes witnessed the authority that Jesus had. Now Jesus says in this ending conversation before he goes, he says, all authority has been given to me. You've seen it, you've witnessed it. All authority has been given to me, now you go. Go, he says, go therefore and make disciples 
of all nations. Actually, a better way of saying this is, as you go, make disciples of all nations. That Greek word talks about so go, so move. Go from your home into your neighborhoods, into the nations, and make apprentices of Jesus. What is this commissioning authority he gives his disciples and he gives you and I today? To make apprentices of the king in his kingdom. There is a kingdom movement and it is done through his people, through the body of Christ that are called to advance his kingdom. Not just go and make converts, not just to go and say, say a quick prayer with me and then we leave them. He calls us to make disciples. What is the difference between just making a convert and making a disciple? Discipling ethnic groups, the nations. It, we'll talk more about this, but it's amazing the unreached ethnic groups in this country, in this nation. And we've got our Synergy mission team and, and their heart to, to plan local mission trips and and um, mission trips abroad. But before we look at the bigger, I want us to look at the responsibility on you and I in this nation. As you go in the power of the Holy Spirit, he will equip you to be his witness in Randburg, Johannesburg, Gauteng, and the rest of South Africa. So he says, all authority has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples. And then he says, baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. What was baptism? Well, it was an initiation into discipleship, into apprenticeship. It symbolizes the identifying with Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. This is the new life in Christ in his kingdom to see heaven on earth. It was a taste of heaven to come. He doesn't just say, go and make a convert. He says, baptize them. Who's ready to baptize someone in 2021? Maybe we'll wait until it gets a little bit warmer. But baptize, don't just, it's not something that the pastors must just do. You, as apprentices of Jesus, go and baptize. And then he says, Teach them to obey everything I have commanded. The great omission of the Great Commission is not just sharing your short version of the good news. It is teaching them, discipling them to obey everything Jesus has commanded. Who knows that's not just a short, quick thing? Who knows that takes effort and time and a lifetime. The, the understanding of teaching back in the day was not just a transfer of information, but it was a transformation of the heart and the will. It was a formation of character. It takes time. And this is why this idea of an apprentice of Jesus, this picture, an apprentice of a plumber, an apprentice of an electrician, Spends time with the teacher, learns from the teacher, learns how to troubleshoot, learns not just theory but practice. And it's in that presence with the teacher that you start getting the confidence to do it yourself. Jesus invites you to be an apprentice of him, 
to spend time with him, to become like him, and then to do what he does. The teacher has failed if he doesn't get the apprentice to do what he does. And Jesus calls us as apprentices of him to make disciples. This is what he did with his own disciples, the people he poured his life into. He gets to a point where he starts going, now you do it. You go pray for the sick. You go lay your hands on the sick. You go and proclaim the gospel. You go. And I'm going to give you my spirit to equip you and enable you to do that. And then he says, behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And we see the empowering of his spirit with us today. I want to say this. Here is a picture of the harvest. And right now, at this time in our nation, I told you we are harvesting the bitter fruit of many injustices and things in this nation. It did not take a lot to get, a, to get chaos and disruption in this nation. 12 people, they say, started this movement. Jesus poured his life into 12 and to 100 and to his early disciples and they started a kingdom movement. Right now people have faced the, the terror and the consequences of this pandemic and we've seen now the consequences of this chaos, this disruption in our land. I want to say that there is a harvest waiting to hear the good news of the gospel. I, I want to not miss this opportunity that God has given us to bring the good news of the gospel. You may say to me, listen, Paul, I'm not comfortable sharing this good news. I don't even really know how to explain this good news in the context of what has happened, in the context of this greater story that God has given us. But I believe that the harvest is ripe. I believe that we have an opportunity as a church to proclaim and share through conversations and good, good works and justice and in a movement of love to share and bring in a harvest that is ready. And he says to the disciples, pray for the Lord to send out laborers. And my question to you is, and maybe I'm just looking for 12 people that can help be a part of a kingdom movement that God is doing, not just in South Africa, but around the world. There is a move of God happening now. There is a reset happening in the body of Christ and you and I can be a part of it. Jesus encounters Zacchaeus in Luke 19 verse 10 and he says this, for the son of man has come to seek and to save the lost. I want to in the next few weeks and months that lie ahead challenge you with a thing about courageous conversations and I want to equip the body in this time to engage in conversations with people that are not followers or apprentices of Jesus. I want us to look at this nation and say now is the time for a movement of love. Now is the time where we can really be the salt and the light. When things get dark, his light can shine even brighter. I wanna say that there is an opportunity for us. I wanna, I, I, let's go back to the question I said in the beginning. Was this great commission just for the disciples and the apostles of the early day? No, I believe it's for every single one of us. God has a purpose and a plan for you to be a part of sharing that good news, to be that salt, to be that light. 
as you go to help someone take one step closer to Jesus. And I want to look at ways that we can, in conversation and in having meals with people, to bring up these spiritual conversations as God has called us to make disciples of all nations. Maybe you'll be a part of sowing a seed. Maybe you'll be a part of watering a seed. Maybe you'll be that person that harvests that seed. I want to close off by saying this. The worship team can come up onto stage as we close this time off. I feel, and, and if, I'm, if I've missed this, you, you tell me, but, but how many of you get a sense that God is doing something in his body that with this reset, this shake-up, there is an opportunity for us to go back to some of the basics. And when we go back to these basics, we have to ask the question, when we look into God's Word, are we obeying what He's asked us to do? What does this look like in practice? And I, want not, I don't want us just to be a church. And maybe this is going to be an uncomfortable season for many of you. But we're not just going to talk about it. We're not just going to say we can quote it, that we've memorized it. We're not just going to have meetings to talk about how to do it. But I want us to be a body of Christ that is now living it. You may be bored as a Christian. I call you a bored again Christian. I want to encourage you and I want to invite you to ask God, one, for a deep love for Him to be so evident in your life. Two, for a deep love for people, for a compassion for people, for a heart for people. And then for your role that He wants to play in using you to make apprentices of Jesus. One day when I stand before God, I'm going to be held accountable For the things that I've done with my gifts and my talents, what God has called me to do. May God use me and may God use you to advance His kingdom. Father, we pray for our nation, South Africa. And with all these underlying issues, with all these undercurrents, with all these challenges that we face, Jesus, we want to look to you as our King, as our Lord, as our Master. And we want to usher in the Kingdom of God by doing your will. That by when we do your will, your Kingdom comes. And I want to ask God that you would use us as New Creation Family Church in our workplace, in our homes, in our suburbs, in our complexes that we stay, in our neighborhoods and in our schools, that God, that you would create such an excitement and a, a passion in our hearts to be used by you, to be your hands, your feet, your mouthpiece in this time to bring hope to a nation.
And we're gonna sing a song, You Give Life. You give hope. You give us breath in our lungs to worship You. God, may our lives glorify You. May our lives honour You. May our lives speak of this hope that we have. May we declare Your greatness wherever we go.